Hello and welcome to Bicycling's Pro Cycling Podcast. I'm bicycling contributor Whit Yost, and I'm joined by my good buddy and fellow contributor, Joe Lindsay. Joe, how's it going today? I'm, I'm doing great, Whit. Uh, can't really complain. How are you? Joe, I'm as happy as Julie Andrews. Do you know why? Uh, I almost hesitate to ask why, Whit. Because the tour is about to enter the Alps, and that means the hills are alive with the sounds of pain. <laughs> Alrighty. I came up with that all by myself. He's here all week, folks. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your bartender. Don't forget to tip. <laughs> but seriously, the only thing that separates the riders from the finish line in Paris on Sunday are four stages through the Alps, but that's certainly no small order. So today, why don't we flip things up a little bit, and instead of saving our stage previews for the end of the podcast, why don't we push them forward and essentially make them the focus of the podcast and discuss each stage and how we think it's going to play out. Sound good? Let's do it. Mm. All right. So stage 17, Joe, I have a sense of deja vu because, and, and I think several of the riders will as well, because oh, they tackled this already, right? Yeah, this was, this is a carbon copy of a stage from June's Criterium de Dauphiné, which is one of the reasons why a lot of the riders go to the Dauphiné is it gives them a chance to preview this stuff. Uh, this is stage 17 from digne la bain to Praloupe. Uh, it is uh, 161 kilometers, so it's not overly long, but it's certainly got a number of difficulties. Um, there are, let's see, here five categorized climbs and the most significant ones are at the end the Col d'Alos and the finish at Praloup. The probably the most interesting thing to watch other than the finish at Praloup is Praloup is a second category climb it's not that long it's not that steep by the, by the comparison of some of the other climbs in the Alp um, but the Col d'Alos the category one that precedes it the descent off that is very technical and as we saw on stage 16 uh, the descent off the Col de Mounts it's obvious guys are they, they got some yips right now and that could definitely be a factor if somebody like a Nibili or a Conrad wants to push it on that descent. Absolutely the descent today was uh, certainly kind of scary for some guys particularly if your name's Garrett Thomas yeah. or uh, Warren Barghi maybe even TJ Van Garderen so I think definitely it, you know descending's gotten into the heads of some of these riders and if temperatures stay as hot as they've been over the last week or so mm -hmm. uh, you know the road surface deteriorates the tar gets slippery and, uh, and anything can happen. So I think a rider, uh, you know, if a Vincenzo Nibali, mm -hmm. if an Alberto Contador again tries to really push things on that descent from the Col d'Alo, uh, you know, we could, we, could see some, we could see some gaps. To yeah. me, though, when I look at this stage, you mentioned there are five categorized climbs. Mm -hmm. I actually counted. It was pretty sophisticated math for me. Okay. But there are 18 categorized climbs between now and Saturday. Which leads us to... I guess our first theme for the first stage preview, which is the KOM competition with 18 Absolutely. clients. It's wide open. Yeah. Absolutely wide open. Uh, tomorrow, I think, is another day where the rider who's been wearing the polka dot jersey, uh, Katusha's Joachim Rodriguez, mm -hmm. uh, even though he doesn't lead the competition, Chris Froome does, but Froome obviously has to wear the yellow jersey instead of the polka dot jersey. I think tomorrow is a day where we see a guy like Rodriguez go on the attack early to try and scoop up as many points as he can to hopefully take over that jersey for himself, for right. realsies, so right. to speak. 
He's he's only so he's only nine points behind Froome in that competition. Of all of the other guys, he's the best placed there, um, and he was at the Dauphiné and did very well on the stage. So this is uh, I would agree he's been kind of quiet the past couple of stages, probably saving some of his energy, um, and I think that he'll uh, I very very likely could have a go at it. I think he'll be joined by several other guys who also mm-hmm. maybe are eyeing this competition, whose tour hasn't quite turned out like they like they might want to. Uh, Jakob Fugel saying is one very very good possibility um and possibly roman bardet bardet is complicated a bit because he's fairly high up in the overall so they're going to chase him more uh if he goes than they would a guy like rodriguez or fuglesang but it's entirely possible to see bardet jump into this as we've seen with peter sagan jumping into the break the past three days in a row um guys so impressive guy yeah it is super impressive and guys just they're if you have the right attitude of like, well, screw it, like let's just go for it, then you never know what can happen. I don't think anybody would have predicted that Sagan would have been in the break three straight days like that, but he was. But he was, yeah, and he certainly reaped the benefits of that, and we'll get to the green jersey and back to Peter Sagan later on. For me, I, I do want to bring up Roman Bardet is, mm-hmm. is a really interesting character at this point in the tour. He, you know, he finished sixth last year. He came into this year's race looking like he was a, a good bet to maybe improve a little bit mm-hmm. uh, on on that on that result, or at least equal it. Right. He won this stage at the Dauphiné, mm-hmm. so That's so right. he certainly knows this course very well but it's interesting with Bardet because he lost a lot of time during the first week of the tour Mm -hmm. and we thought okay now Bardet is going to flip flip the switch and he's going to go from a high GC goal high high GC finish being his goal to winning a stage or two right he did that in Saturday on you know he got into the breakaway heading into Mond but by doing so, he's sort of vaulted himself back up the GC right. to a point where, as you said, he's not going to get the leash that uh, he might have he might have had otherwise. So it'll right. be interesting to see what he does and how the pack responds. And by the way, Joe, that finish on Saturday in Timon, talk about how to lose a bike race oh. starring Thibaut Pinot and Romain Bardet. <laughs> if you're a young rider and you are considering a career as a competitive cyclist, go watch the end of that stage and do exactly the opposite, opposite of, of what, what they did and did. exactly what Steve Cummings did. That was a pretty pretty crazy finish. That was. One guy who I don't think we're going to see on the attack in stage 17 is Rafa Maka. And I, I have to cover this because he was just in our last podcast. He was my pick to take the KOM jersey again. Uh, but he crashed and banged up his knee on stage 16. So I just I don't know that he's going to be the kind of guy who we'll see at the front. Normally I think he might, but between Conador's uh, still fairly decent GC aspirations and and his possible injury. I just don't think he's going to be there. Yeah, I think if anything, maybe he you know he he takes it easy for a couple days mm-hmm. to let his knee heal up and then maybe goes for another stage win. Sure, especially uh, depending on how Conador's doing at that point. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Why don't we uh, Why don't we move to stage eighteen then? Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about that one. Um, stage eighteen is, I think, it's again is another very good day for a kind of uh, raid on KOM points. Uh, this is the longest of the four Alpine stages. It's one hundred and eighty six point five kilometers from Gap to Saint Jean de Maurienne. It's also the only stage of the four that is not an uphill summit finish. Um, there are a passel of climbs on this day, including seven the, of them. Seven, including the Or Category Col de Glandon. 
problem, which comes very late in the stage. The summit is at 147 kilometers in. And uh, I feel like this day is, is again a day where if you're motivated, it starts climbing on the Category 2 Col de Bayard right out of the gate. That is literally climbs from gap 6.5 kilometers right up to the Bayard. So you're going to see a breakaway here. And I think if it's, you know, if guys have the horsepower, then uh, then they can stay away and hoover up a lot of a lot of those KOM points. The HC climbs in particular, I believe those have 20 points on offer. Um, and so that's obviously going to be a big thing for guys. Um, one thing I will say about the finish here is that this is the trickiest finish of all four of these stages. Once they come off the Glendon, they have one more climb. It's category two, the Mont Vernier. Um, but it is steep. Uh, it is a steady eight to nine percent mm. for about three, three and a half kilometers. Um, it's we always talk about Up Duez and the twenty-one switchbacks. This thing has eighteen of impact in like three and a half k. So yeah. off the Mont Vernier, then they go on this steep descent with a couple of tricky switchbacks. But then uh, the final five k, unlike the stage sixteen uh, day into Gap, um, is flat. And so I feel like this is you know I know what you're gonna say. Good day. I know what you're gonna say. Peter Sagan. I don't know. Let's talk about uh, I, you know, I, this is a case of, are we saying it's a good day for him because we want it to be a good day for him? Right. And, and because of the way he's ridden this tour, mm -hmm. you know, he, he's almost become, and again, this is a guy who's on the verge of winning what I think his fourth green Jersey. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's almost become the people's champion. He's become this underdog yeah. who everyone wants to see win a stage, especially Oleg Tinkoff. Uh, I I just don't know. I mean, the the, the Glendon is a is is a brute yeah, of a it climb, is. It is. and if 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 there are climbers who really want to really want to hit the gas pedal on that, mm -hmm. I, I don't see how Sagan can stay in contention. And then it, the other thing is the Mont Vernier is 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 really pretty steep. It I is. know that Sagan has excelled in the past mm -hmm. on short, steep climbs, mm -hmm. but this is this is the middle of the third week of a Grand Tour. He's been in the break for three straight days, even mm -hmm. with a rest day, even if he sandbags it during stage 17. Right. I, I'd love to see it just like everybody else would, but mm -hmm. man, if, look, if he does, if he does, Hats off to him. And yeah. in 2012, no, excuse me, 2011, Thor Hushvud, when he was the world champion, he yep. won two stages in the mountains when nobody expected him to. Exactly. So stranger things have certainly happened. Uh, I'd love to see it, but it's going to be it's going to be tough. And no matter what, it's going to be a beautiful finish. This yes. is definitely a stage. If uh, if you're at work, uh, tune in for the last half hour or so. The uh, Lacé de Montvernier is a beautiful climb. It literally looks like somebody just carved a squiggly line into the side of a ridge. Um, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be something to see for sure. Absolutely. Allow me for one moment to take the pro Sagan side. Uh, I, sure, I think, please. I think we will see him in the break. Uh, one reason is that the intermediate sprint is at 107 and a half kilometers in. That is, uh, it comes after, uh, five of the climbs, but they're all lesser climbs. That is a day where if he, if he's in the break and he gets that sprint, then mathematically it basically puts the, the green jersey out of, out of reach for, uh, Andre Greipel. Um, so I think we could see him there. 
there. I also think that as far as the Glandong goes, I think it depends on how big of a motor guys have going up it. Uh, we are in week three, um, and guys are getting tired. And Peter has climbed very well so far, on especially in, in situations where he wouldn't necessarily be expected to. And this goes back to Mace Tour of California for me, where, where he had the lead going into the Queen stage, the mountaintop finish on Mount Baldy, and everybody expected him to lose it, and instead he ended up sixth on the day uh, and preserved his overall lead by just three seconds, but he won the overall at Tour of California based on that. I think it's it's funny because everybody in this race has been totally keyed on Peter Sagan uh, and in several cases have basically prevented him from winning as they gave up the victory to somebody else. But I think still on a day like today, he still to me seems like a guy that might be underestimated, at least until he crosses the top of the Glendon in contact or close behind the leaders. So we'll see. Well, he does. Uh, you know, I will I will say there are about 25 kilometers between the top of the Glendon and the base of the Lassay de Montvernier. And it's steep. So, mm, that side of steep. the Glendon is very steep. Mm. And, and, and as we saw today off the Col de Mans, I mean, Sagan made up about 30 seconds on uh, Ruben Plaza mm -hmm. in only about uh, 6, 7K. Mm -hmm. um, so he certainly, could, he, he certainly could afford to lose a minute or so to, let's say, better climbers by the top of the Glendon and mm -hmm. make it all back. That's actually how Hushvud, I think it was on the Col d'Albisque, yeah. uh, he, he dropped, he, he, he caught up and then dropped uh, two other riders that had broken away on the descent. And right. Then went on Both to, of those guys are stage. remarkable descenders, so it's it's certainly within his capabilities. Yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting to see. It's also, I think, going to be an interesting day. Uh, I don't know if the cameras will catch it, but it's going to be a day when 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 if you were at the tour, you'd see teams riding trainers warming up mm -hmm. for this kind of stage because right. it does literally start at the bottom of a climb and and just climbs right out of that valley. So it'll be it'll be exciting. Uh, we're talking a lot about the mountains and mm -hmm. the men that are strong in the mountains, the climbers, which leads us to uh, today's word of the day. What do you got? Uh, today's word of the day is very simple. It's Grimpeur, uh, G-R-I-M-P-E-U-R, and it's a French term that literally translates to climber. Uh, and uh, obviously, it's this is one of the, the words that you see a lot of now in uh, in in the cycling press, uh, whether it's the magazine Ruler or Barodur or you know that kind of thing, and it's it's got everything. Everything. Or, it's, it, it's, everything is now an attacker, and you know, and you and the I puncher. Are, we are talkers and all this. It's the Europeanization <laughs> of everything, uh, which is hilarious. But Grimpoor, uh, I think you were mentioning this the the other day. But uh, if there was sort of like a Mount Rushmore of EUR terms, then Grimpoor would be on that. It's just one Absolutely. of the legit ones. Yep, yep, and it's one you hear a lot, and it's certainly one. You'll hear a lot, you know, a lot, I know a lot of folks are catching live feeds uh, from their computers. Maybe you can't find one in English, maybe you're finding one in French. And so if you keep hearing them talking about these grandpas, now you know what they're, what they're talking about. Cool. Uh, let's get back to our stage preview then. Mm -hmm. Stage 19 is another day that climbs right out of the gate. And to me, if I ride for Movistar... Mm -hmm. this is a day I've got circled. And mm -hmm. if I ride for Team Sky, mm -hmm. this is a day I've got circled as well because I'm expecting to come under the attack. This is just a monster of a stage. There are four categorized climbs here. Uh, the least of them is the Category 2 Col de Mollard. Uh, it's short. It's 138 yeah. kilometers long. Uh, but we finished atop the first category, uh, La Tussuir climb, and they also have the, the climb of the Col de la Croix de Fer, which uh, is going to take them quite a long time. It's um, basically, it's, you know, like 
what, like 25 straight kilometers of climbing. Um, it's it's going to take them a long time to get up that. I think the interesting thing about this is going to be, as you mentioned, like what, is, what does Movistar do, especially? Uh, in 2012, the race finished on La Tussuire and Froome was the basically the strongest of the GC guys. Um, and I think he very well could be again. But if we want to transfer to the theme for this stage, it's going to be, yeah, but what about his team? Yeah, absolutely. The team has not been riding as strong as it was earlier in the race. Peter Kenya dropped out uh, due to an illness. Uh, Nico Roche, Leopold Koenig. I mean, everybody thought Leopold Koenig was going to be a, a, a key lieutenant yeah, for like Froome in the mountains. Yeah, last man standing kind of thing. Yeah, seriously. He, you know, he finished top 10. Mm-hmm. I think the guy's finished top 10 in three straight Grand Tours heading into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he just hasn't been, been there. Mm-hmm. Hasn't, hasn't been there. Richie Port looked great for the first week. Uh, and has been absolutely anonymous since, which mm-hmm. uh, whoever signed him probably is not too happy about. Oh, well. And Garrett Thomas today, you know, he seemed fine at the finish yeah. after that nasty crash, but, you know, head injuries are weird. Strange things can happen. You know, who's to say how he's going to recover from that fall? And before the fall, he wasn't looking super strong no, anyway. When those when guys like Condor and Valverde and Nibali were attacking, uh, you know, the kind of near the top of the Col de Mons, it was Thomas who was dangling like a bike length or two off the back of that group, uh, which I thought was interesting. You know, at that point, Valt Poles had, had already been had been gapped a little bit, and and what you saw there was Froome was at least momentarily was isolated. Yep. Um, and so I think it's to me it's it's not that they're not good anymore not at all um to me the issue is that they have had this leader's jersey continually since stage seven and they're the strain of defending that the entire time since then especially these quote-unquote transitional stages that have been very nervous and very fast and very difficult and very hot um i think it's just kind of wearing them down yeah absolutely i mean you know today's stage is a perfect example of that ideally you want to gently ease yourself into the rest day. Mm-hmm. Sky didn't have that opportunity. The Col de Mans coming inside the last 20K of the stage, mm-hmm. everyone was lining up at the front ready to take shots at the yellow jersey. Mm-hmm. Contador did it. Nibali did it. Uh, Romain Bardet did it to try and escape uh, yep. and gain some time, get himself closer to the top 10. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cliche, but there's literally no rest for the weary right. at this point in the tour, especially when you, you you've essentially been leading the race since stage three Seven. yeah yeah stage three because they gave it back to tony martin for a few yep. days and then he crashed out so yep. um and the thing is so you might wonder why are we talking about this stage specifically why here and not uh you know the the dini labanda pralube stage the reason is because this stage is not just really really hard but it's short this is the kind of day that basically that you can gamble a little bit more on a longer range attack um sky's approach is to ride stages in a very controlled manner. They want to keep the you know keep the power output very steady and at a level that discourages attacks and that kind of thing. The way that you fight this, which is what what we saw in the 2013 tour on stage nine, um, was basically you just throw everything you can at them all the time. You make them ride above, you know, you put them off their game plan by making them ride above the watt outputs that they really want to ride. You push them into this area where like, okay, you can do this, but it's burning matches. How many of these matches do you guys have? And if they can get to the point that they can isolate Froome with that, and they still, you know, Movistar still has, at that point, still has Quintana and Valverde with a little left in the tank, then that, to me, is where things get really interesting. When Froome is isolated and then the attacks start coming, what happens? 
Yeah, I think, to, you know, right now, the most pivotal rider left in this year's Tour de France is Alejandro Valverde. Oh, totally I agree. think he single-handedly has the power to determine Movistar's fate yep. in this year's Tour. If he personally says, I want to finish third, I've never been on the podium at the Tour de France, and this is my best chance, then there's no way Movistar wins this Tour de France. Nope. Mm. But, but if he goes for it. Mm. If he goes for it. If he goes on the attack, say, on the Côte de la Quad, Quad, Quad de Fer, you know, yeah. if, he, if he attacks early mm -hmm. and, like you said, puts Sky you know, into the into the red zone mm -hmm. earlier than they want to go there. Right. Now all bets are off. Exactly. And and, and I think I, I think that's that's what it's gonna boil down to is who's willing to take a risk mm -hmm. to really put Sky into difficulty. If you get and we've seen this for the last well, not last year, but 2012, 2013, if you wait until the final climb to try and attack forget Team it. Sky, forget it. It's too late. Forget it. No, and, Absolutely and too And to late. me, this comes down to something that, that we've never seen a whole lot of from Valverde, and that is um, selflessness. Um, mm -hmm. If he attacks on the Quad Affair, like you said, uh, that's going to put Sky into difficulty. All of a sudden, Sky is down to, you know, maybe Valpoles, maybe maybe Garrett Thomas, and, and, you know, two, three guys with Froome. Um, he's not going to win the Tour de France with that attack. What he will do is set up Quintana for that final climb, so that by the time you get to that final climb, it's down to just Quintana and Froome and maybe, you know, Vanguard and, and one or two other guys. And that's the point that Quintana puts in his attack and distances Froome. So that, to me, is the key there, is that if he's going to go on this attack, he's going to do it knowing that he's probably going to blow up and drop from fourth or third overall or whatever down to, you know, maybe eighth or ninth, maybe lower. But the goal would be to basically spring the trap for Quintana. If I'm Valverde's director, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pitch it to him this way. Valverde's basically competing against T.J. Van Garderen, mm -hmm. um, and I think Alberto Contador. But but I just I don't think Contador has it. I mm -hmm. think his attacks are attacks to just remain relevant to keep his. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't I, see Contador as a serious threat. No. unfortunately. No, but 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 to me, I might I might also say to to Valverde, hey, look, if you go on the attack early during stage nineteen, you could crack Van Garderen because I think that mm -hmm. I think I think the strain is starting to show mm -hmm. on on TJ, and so maybe Alejandro, you know, that might be a day that with a good attack, if you crack Van Garderen early, third place for you becomes a much more safer safer options so right. it'll be it'll be interesting to see i, I frankly hope it happens i hope you know. so too just because i think it'll make it more interesting right mm. yep much more interesting i think teams right now have been playing right into the hands of team sky mm -hmm. granted team sky has put them in that position For i think sure. that you know i mean we, we're sitting here at a computer saying well they should just attack <laughs> yeah. 60k from the line right, like exactly. oh, like they the haven't thought of that 390 watts for an hour and a half yeah no no worries it's easy for me to say I but can do um, 90 watts for about a minute and a half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself credit. Maybe like two minutes. Maybe two. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's absolutely easy to say. But I, I, it's it's fascinating to me because I look at this and say like this is if you're Movistar, like this is your shot. Either you're riding for podium places, in which case you're gonna like you said you're gonna play right into Sky's hands, or at what point do you just say, oh the hell with it. And, you know, like the, the other thing that I would say to Valverde is like, if you do this, win or lose, this is going to be glorious. Like, yeah. you are going to, whatever happens, like, people will remember this day and they'll remember you for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, and, and that's, I guess, one of the things that I don't understand as 
and, and I was never a pro cyclist, no. so I, I've never been in their shoes. But if it's about the glory, I understand that there's a certain amount of glory, mm -hmm. a, a large amount of glory that comes with winning the tour in mm -hmm. spectacular fashion. But there's also glory that comes with trying to win the tour right. in spectacular fashion and failing. Hey, the French <laughs> have made that a mission over exactly. the last few decades. But I think for Valverde, I think Valverde could still try and blow up the race yep. to set up Quintana and still protect and still his manage. podium chances. Right. Yep. Mm, I, would yep. I would agree. Absolutely. Well, maybe then we should we should uh, get to the final of the four Alpine yep. stages. Um, stage 20. Now, on paper, people are looking at, at stage 20 as sort of the, the crown jewel mm -hmm. of these four days in the mountains. And the main mm -hmm. reason for that is because it ends with the uh, famous climb, perhaps the most famous climb in tour history, the climb of Alpe d'Huez. Right. But my feeling is, is that this is going to be a day that is going to end up being more of kind of a last chance saloon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than a pivotal stage that's going to alter the, uh, the, uh, the outcome of the race in a big way. And, and that's really for a couple of reasons. One, it's really short. Mm -hmm. It's only 110K. So this is a stage that's no longer than, say, a Sunday group ride for some, for some people. Um, it does end atop Alpe d'Huez. Yeah, it's a little it bit also, a little bit more, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, not if you live at the base of Alpe d'Huez, maybe. That's true. But yeah, a little bit more climbing. Um, and it goes over again, the Quad de Fer. Originally, this stage was going to be even harder. It was going right. to go over the Galibier, which would have been the highest climb in the tour. But there were some landslides, so they had to Galibier divert it. And, you know, it was, it was a mess, but they fixed it. Um, I just think that this stage is... I don't want to say too little, but mm -hmm. definitely too late in the tour. If you look back, especially at recent history, the, mm -hmm. the final mountain stage of the tour, you know, like Prudhomme always loves to do this now, where there's like stage 20 is like this crazy mountaintop finish, whether it's Alpe d'Huez or Ventoux, his, both of them have featured before in the Prudhomme era. And for, at least from a sense of GC, they've ended up being a bit of a dud because the race was decided there. So to me, this stage has all the characteristics of being a queen stage of the race, but it depends totally on what happens in stage 19. If stage 19 goes down with that crazy Valverde attack and Cantana manages to distance Froome and gets you like two minutes back on him by the summit or what of, you know, of La Tussuir or that kind of thing, then we're talking about a totally different game. But especially if this comes down to, you know, guys riding to sort of protect, you know, other spots on the podium, then yeah, to me, this stage is, is more all about the stage win and more about like what you said with, with the whole last chance saloon team. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be the last chance if it's possible It'll be the last chance for someone to try and crack Team mm -hmm. Sky. Right. Again, it might it might be over and done with. I think that if Froome uh, still has a two to three minute lead coming out of stage 19, forget uh, it. He's yeah, got I don't the yellow jersey. Are, I don't think it's, guys are going to do that. I think at that point they're riding to protect their podium places. So, yeah, and that that could still be up for grabs, that, actually. That could be you know? really interesting, too. Yep. Because at that yep. point, you're also looking at, you know, potentially teammate versus teammate. We're like, if Valverde goes up the road, is he attacking Froome or is he attacking Quintana? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so there's that whole subtext in there. Um, there's Certainly. a whole lot of people looking for last chances. Uh, I think another one is probably Gar uh, Cannondale Garmin, huh? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I mean, 
they've they've tried they've fought valiantly yep. at least dan martin has and um you know nathan haas was in the break the mm -hmm. other day uh ryder hashadal was in a breakaway this is um, at the back of the breakaway the, but yeah, he was still is, in the breakaway this is a ryder hashadal day for me like the guy uh, i'm sorry i don't mean to be super harsh on him but i just haven't seen him do that much this tour other than mm -hmm. get in that one breakaway so if i'm charlie Vigalius, the the director over there i'm looking at at ryder and saying hey listen buddy this is your shot yep go for it now they have other riders too i mean andrew talansky yeah. uh, has has lost even more time he's mm -hmm. he's absolutely out of the gc picture mm -hmm. uh by the time you know if you wait a day or two to download this podcast by the time you listen to this he may have already won a stage in the alps uh perhaps by getting in a long breakaway yeah. or something but still you know this is this is the last chance for a team like Garmin, mm -hmm. Cannondale Garmin, to uh, to try and win some stage glory, mm -hmm. it's also the last chance for the French. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, depending on how things shake out, you know, Thibaut Pinot, hello, where are you? Yeah. Uh, Romain Bardet, Pierre Roland, a former winner on Alpe d'Huez, mm -hmm. you know, Thomas Vauclair. I mean, there are lots of French riders who, to me, would love oh, to yes. end a tour with a win atop Alpe d'Huez. I mean, if you think about it, up until now, it's been the, the, the tour so far has just not been a great one for the French. It just, you know, it just hasn't really worked out the way, certainly not the way that last year's tour worked out that was sort of like, mm -hmm. a, you know, like a dream win. Um, but they've only, to this point, the French have only won one stage, and that was Alexis Viermols on the, the Mer de Bretagne stage back on stage eight. Um, we've had guys, you know, French guys in the top 10, but right now they're, you know, the top guys are 10th, 11th, 12th place. And so I think if they want to, you know, if they want to kind of salvage the expectations that were laid on them after finishing, you know, after doing so highly last year, then I think a stage one on Opto West is a perfect place to do it. Definitely. Uh, for me, I'll be rooting for Warren Bargie. I've, I've mm -hmm. been, I've been sort of on the, the, the Bargie, I won't say bandwagon, but on the, on the Bargie Citroen, uh, since before the tour <laughs> the started. Um, I, I, I think this, this, this poor kid, he, essentially caused the crash yep. well, I, I mean i mean he, i guess he did cause he did. the crash yeah, um in stage three but it was not intentional um, at all it was not intentional no he he just drifted over and 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 one could say that william bonnet wasn't paying attention yep. and 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 you know but either way bargy was he was you in know, the he was in it he was there uh he was uh not i think was it was it stage four that john degan kolb uh, had some harsh words for Bargy on the uh, pave of stage four when Bargy seemed to be riding more to protect himself rather so than help Dagan Cold and yeah. set set him up. Obviously, uh, the stage into gap. Bargy uh, bumps into Garrett Thomas, Thomas, sends him sends him tub So so long story short, for me to see Bargy win a stage on Aptuez, that would that would that would just be some nice poetic justice, I right. guess mm. for. I would for agree. a rider who's who's certainly had a lot of learning experiences during his first and Tour de France. I was going to say, let's not forget, this is his first Tour de France. I think people forget that. He's still a very young kid, and I think he's riding with a lot of expectations, both his own and, and his country's and, and his team's. And, sure. um, and you're going to, in week three, when things get tired and everything, you're going to have a couple of brain fart moments. So I hope people aren't too hard on him for what happened on, uh, on the stage in the gap. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I already saw this morning after the stage, people on on Twitter were were just ripping into the poor kid. But like, I don't know, he's human. We all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're professionals, but we need to remember that a first tour de France is a first tour de France. Right. You know, no matter how many tours of Spain you've done, it's still a big deal, especially when you, when when you're a Frenchman. Absolutely. 
Um, I'll tell you one last thing about, you mentioned how Christian Prudhomme has been sort of trending toward the penultimate day of the tour being mm-hmm. a mountain stage. And, and it often seems to fall a little bit flat. It's a bit anticlimactic. Could you imagine if today's stage uh, on the uh, Col de Mons, uh, if that had been the, the second to last day of the tour? I mean, imagine riders coming up the Col de Mons with their last chance to try and gain time, mm-hmm. settle a podium, win a stage, and then that descent oh, yeah. being I don't, the finale. I don't think they'd ever do it because I think that stage, everybody knows that that descent is tricky enough that they wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want a guy to lose the Tour de France on the second to last day because he crashed out. Uh, sure. I think that would I, be, that'd be a mess. But, um, but I neither do I think that they, you know, there's always criticism of stages like that, or at least of descents like that. And to me, like, hey, that guys, that's bike racing. Like, the descent is hard. It's also only as hard as you guys want to make it. So if somebody's willing to push on the descent, then fair play. They get, to, they get to go try it. If you don't want to, then, well, I guess you don't win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, if, 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 if you win the Tour de France, it's because you are the best all-round rider. Right. Mm-hmm. And that means that you should be able to ride in the rain. And that you means should you should be able to ride when it's windy, and you should go down a hill as well as you go up a hill. Right. And you should even be able to ride on cobblestones right. for a little while. Right. You know, so I, I agree. Um, I, I think the course designs as of late have been fabulous. Very exciting. Uh, very fan-friendly, um, for sure. At least Very fan-friendly. Like, to, to keep sort of the suspense up. There aren't any of those weeks that go by where you're like, gee, what's going to happen today? Another sprint. Yep, for sure. Um, all right, so how about a quick commercial break, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Um, we've been saying it all along. Uh, if, if you haven't been heading over to Bicycling.com during the tour, you've really been missing out. It's not just about geeky race analysis like Joe and I uh, are certainly able to provide. It's about just celebrating the tour as, 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 a, as a symbol of what we feel is the greatest month to be a cyclist. So we have things for everyone over there. We've got uh, how to be a super fan, how to throw a viewing party, how to make it look like you're getting work done while you're watching the tour. I saw something the other day, how not to, how to avoid having the stage spoiled for you. Right. So if you're DVRing it and don't, and and don't want to be a social media hermit, but you don't want to, you also don't want to give it away. Yeah, there's just lots of fun stuff. If you like tech, if you like gear, we, uh, we've got a slideshow with every road bike in the tour, every cobble bike, mm-hmm. uh, slideshows of Vincenzo Nibali's custom specialized tarmac. There's lots of great stuff going up there, and uh, you should certainly head over to, uh, to check it out. Tom- the rest day tomorrow, you know, you're going to need your fix. It's the perfect chance, or I should say rest day today, depending on when you're listening to this. It's your perfect chance to get a fix. Go over to bicycling.com and check it out. I think that leaves just one stage left then, doesn't it? It does. It does. And this is a special year for the final stage. This is the 40th anniversary of the first time that the tour finished on the Champs-Élysées. 1975 was the first year that uh, the tour did that. It used to finish. It basically used to end just like it begins. It would travel around and finish in different different places. And it's kind of hard now to imagine that the, the tour finishing anywhere else. I mean, it's such an iconic finish. Like you can show anybody who's not even a sports fan, you can show them a picture of the of the pack going up and down the Champs with the Arc de Triomphe in the background and say, "What is this?" And they're going to know. They're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that's the Tour de France." 
Absolutely, absolutely. And also, you know, one of the sites of the most iconic American victory at the Tour Ever, Greg LeMond's yes. uh, final stage victory in 1989. So it's, you know, a lot of people talk about it being just a parade, just a promenade, and it certainly starts out like that. Mm -hmm. You'll have the traditional, all the Jersey winners will line up and have a glass Toast of champagne. champagne and, all of it, and they'll roll along yep. at about 12K an hour. But, yep, yep. but things do get serious. Uh, Things do get very serious, and the racing is really fabulous yeah. for for those for those finishing laps on the Champs Elysees. And this year, uh, while it looks like it's not going to determine the outcome of the green jersey competition, because I think assuming he's a, he's able to stay on his bike, Peter Sagan is going to win that. It still is going to be an important stage mm -hmm. for the sprinters. First and foremost, Andre Greipel, mm -hmm. who's had an incredible tour. He's won three stages so far, and certainly is going to be a favorite to win his fourth on Sunday. Absolutely. And I think you also have to think about Mark Cavendish. He has uh, he wasn't really a factor in the Valence stage uh, or some of the other stages that we thought maybe we might see him in because he's had a bit of a, a GI bug lately. So if you're at the tour, mm. don't shake his hand. Um, but <laughs> Paris, he loves Paris. He's won there many, many times. Um, Four times, and, I believe, yep. And I think that it's... Uh, it's the kind of thing for him. He's won a stage here on tour, but he definitely wants more. This is a great shot for him. His team will be, will be, I think, lined up 100% behind him, just as Lotto Sudal will be for Greipel. But those Absolutely. two guys, I think, are, are definitely ones to watch. Uh, we had, we did actually have an Alexander Kristoff appearance the other day. Uh, so finally. Finally. So it's possible that, that he might be a factor. Uh, and then, of course, there's Sagan. I mean, he's, he's shown he's the most versatile rider in the race. He's finished high he's finished in top five on all kinds of field sprints and while the champs is not exactly the kind of place that i pick for him um neither am i going to bet against him absolutely absolutely and let's not forget also giant alpacins yeah john, john dagan kolb uh you know he certainly is another rider who uh has been knocking on the door but just hasn't been able to break through and win what would be his first stage at the Tour de France. Right. So uh, he's another rider, I think, to watch for there. That said, crystal ball time. Who's going to win on Sunday? Champs-Élysées, go. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Greipel. i got to go Greipel. He's just, to me, he's the best spooner in the race. I agree, but I'm going to pick Cav. I think that uh, if there's one stage that Cav knows how to win, it's this one. Mm -hmm. uh, he won four years in a row uh, before the arrival of Marcel Kittel, mm -hmm. who won the last two stages on the Champs-Élysées. He and Renshaw have it dialed for sure. So. They definitely have it dialed. Um, so I think I I, I, I I think that'll be a day for Cav. Gripe will be up there. I think Christoph will be up there. But uh, I think that'll be... Uh, I'll, I'll take Cav okay. over your Gripe. All right. All righty. I think that wraps it up. That wraps it up. Uh, certainly there's a lot of exciting racing left. Uh, and we will be back uh, after the tour to sort of wrap things up, maybe give out some awards, some grades, uh, perhaps uh, laugh at yeah, all of our goofy predictions. To, we revisit our predictions. That that'll be wait. That'll be the best part. I was thinking about this though. Okay. I know that I picked Nairo Quintana to win the tour. Yeah, I picked I picked Alberto Conador. You did. Yeah. But I think I picked Froome to finish second. Okay. My, and Valverde to finish third. Okay. My my podium was Conador, Quintana, and Pino. So uh, I'm looking at yeah. best case scenarios, looking at like one out of three. Yep. That's, so, oh well. Yeah. Well, I think Pino's let a lot of people down, but maybe, maybe over the next four days he'll he'll do something to salvage his tour. We shall see. 
We shall see. All right. So that's enough for us. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, if you missed an episode or you want to go back and laugh at the goofy things we predicted happening that didn't happen, uh, you can find it on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Head over to bicycling.com. Follow us on social media at Bicycling Mag. And if you want to follow Joe at Joe Lindsay or me at Wit Yost, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you after the tour. Thank you.